This is the joy of gaming. Welcome to the Joy of Gaming Podcast, Episode 71. I'm Rich Lepore. Jordan Alseka. And we are back to talk about games. And there have been a couple really big games that came out, at least one, that's for sure, um, that I am very much looking forward to talking about. And that is God of War, obviously. I know you haven't played it yet, though, Jordan, huh? Uh, no. Outside of, I think, three or four hours of the first God of War many, many years ago. Right. And I think seeing someone play God of War 3 a little bit, I, I really have no experience. No, I wait. I did play the God of War mobile game a lot. <laughs> where Where is the love for David Jaffe? Where is the love for Corey Barlog? Where, where is it, Jordan? I, I, I got it. If people have listened to this podcast, I think you stole all the love for Corey Barlog <laughs> over the years. Dude, that dude... This game, God of War, has gotten so much praise. I mean, 10 out of 10 masterpiece all over the place. Um, Corey Barlog is the new heir apparent to, like, the game developers. He's like the new Ken Levine because Ken Levine surely isn't Ken Levine anymore. Um, He's got stuff coming. Oh, yeah, yeah. That thing where he draws boxes on a, on a um, whiteboard at GDC and calls it a game. You mean that game? Well, I don't know. All I know is we, we I was actually looking him up recently for a reason, but he's got some kind of storytelling that'll, you know, be different from the way Telltale does adventure games game coming. Yeah, right. So I mean I, I watched the like GDC talk he did. It was like a you know, uh fifty minute thing and, and basically it was all talking about concepts like if you talk to the it, basically Skyrim but done right, where like if you talk to this person and you start with this, you know, dynamic quest then all of a sudden this group or this guild will like you but this one won't and like you know basically just very complex series of on-off switches and you know um procedurally generated relationships that can happen with different groups as you make decisions in a game and all of that sounds cool conceptually but how that's gonna you know hash out into a game and you know we've seen this happen a lot with developers when they some of that oversight goes away once they once they reach a level of uh, of status. So believe me, I am hoping that's not the case. The guy is brilliant. Um, I just hope that brilliance, you know, didn't need an editor more than we knew. You know, I mean, it's usually the case, but you know. Meanwhile, they're apparently developing a new Bioshock. That I heard, and that is encouraging. I'm cool with that. Um, the second Bioshock was fun. Um, you know, it was a fun game. I'd be totally down to go back to Rapture much more than I would, uh, Columbia. Well, I would hope um, maybe they don't go to Rapture. There's other things they could do. Um, maybe do a subterranean city. They could do something like that. Subter- oh, you mean like, uh, caves? Yeah. Something like okay. Center of the Earth. Because, I mean, the okay. whole point of Bioshock settings are they're impossible. So why not just really go all out with it? <laughs> or, or space? Space yeah. is doable. Um, we already kind of did like flying city but space is a whole different thing could be like i don't know anyway um i i'd be down for that i mean i don't think i don't think ken levine is absolutely essential to making a good bioshock game so it'll be uh it'll be interesting to watch the progress on that meanwhile another game that i know you're incredibly fond of 
uh, supposedly has, I mean, it's a trickle still, but um, Beyond Good and Evil 2 um, has a new dev stream coming up soon where they're going to show you, like, the progress they made since the last, you know, demo that they did. I, mean, I don't know. That's been what, uh, a year? Yeah, about. Yeah, the about last, a year. Since the E3 trailer, yeah, because, I mean, we're only about a month out from E3. Right. So, yeah, I think that's that's kind of where we are with that. And, I mean, the stuff that they were potentially promising or or at least hinting at that that game was possible of doing where you could basically go into like a space travel open expansive world and then without any load scenes or cuts you could like go back down to earth and like do cool stuff and and just the potential of going macro to micro like that um could be really cool and that monkey character is kind of chill right yeah i mean i'm i'm hopeful um, yeah, it's whatever it is. I mean, it's one of those things where as excited as I am for more of that world, it's going to be such a different game. It'll be, you know, almost unrecognizable gameplay wise, probably. Right, right. It's true. Um, so, yeah, it certainly isn't going to be Jade um, solving, you know, Metroidvania, but in 3D, you know, yeah, that's that's not what we're going to get. Um, cool. So, uh, anyway, we'll be talking about God of War later. Um, at least my experiences with it. Um, me trying to get Jordan hyped about playing it because you really need to because it's really impressive. Um, and um, and why I think it's a lot like Darksiders, even though I haven't heard anybody say that. I don't think. Um, I feel like it's very much like Darksiders. Anyway, well, I'll tell you why when we get to that point. Um, and we'll talk about the other games we've been playing. Uh, other than God of War, it's been a little bit of a light load for me, and I know it's a light load for you. So we'll just talk about what we have to talk about and uh, keep people up to date on what we're uh, what we've been playing. In the meantime, though, let's talk about a little bit of news. Um, and again, you know, in the lead up to E3, there isn't a ton of news, but there are some interesting stories. Um, one of which is that there's Destiny Two is in shambles. You know this, right? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, mean, I know you as, don't know firsthand. As rarely as Destiny 2 is even in the news anymore. That's what I mean. Nobody even wants to talk about it. Everything is, you know, Fortnite and PUBG and every other game that's not called Destiny, basically. Um, and yeah, it was in the news all the time. Well, anyway, they're making a play to have the news cycle back, focusing on them. One big thing that's happening, and I can't believe it, maybe it's just because of how little I care about Destiny anymore, but I didn't even realize that this new Warmind DLC is coming out in two days from when we're recording. So when, when you hear this, it'll probably be out already. Um, and the fanfare is so like low-key that I didn't even really know it. I think I even own it. I think I have the expansion pass, um, and I didn't even realize that like some huge amount of new content is opening up. But these little mini DLCs, my, historically, Destiny for me has been you play the big game when it comes out, and then when the next big drop happens two years later or a year later, that's when I jump back in. So Taken King was the only time I really came back, and then I went back and played the content from those two DLCs in between. But I don't know. It'll be interesting. But the big news is... Um, they're saying we have a brand new mode and it's coming out, you know, with that big expansion that'll come out in the fall. And it's going to like, quote, change everybody's idea of what, uh, online multiplayer can be. <laughs> I don't know, man. I just assumed they were doing a battle Royale mode. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised if that's what it really was. Um, but Anyway, it, will, it remains to be seen what it is, but Destiny 2 needs some serious, serious resuscitation because that game is so freaking dead. Um, and, and, and always, it's, it's interesting. It's like everybody's the same way that I am about that game. I've always been with Destiny where I love it or I hate it. When I am done playing Destiny or I get sick of it, 
I don't want to hear about Destiny. I don't want to see Destiny. It makes my stomach turn. It's that like illness inducing. So when you're on YouTube and there's a Destiny video, I'm like, oh, oh, get me out of here. I mean, that is how it is with that game. I've never played a game like that where in my off times I hate it that much. It's weird. <laughs> All right. Um, so speaking of Battle Royale modes, um, there is a rumor. Right now it is just a rumor, um, but I'm really interested in hearing your thoughts on this. Uh, the first part of it is that um, Call of Duty Black Ops 4 will not have a single-player campaign. Um, what do you think about this? Um, I don't know. It's a bummer, if that's true. Uh, I mean, you know, look, I, we when, when, when we got Black Ops 3, which was Treyarch's last game, <clears throat> mm-hmm. uh, the big reason we got it was zombies. So there is something to the idea if they're really going to up the zombies content and add some kind of, like, uh, Battle Royale mode and other sort of single-player-ish... Or not even single-player, but cooperative modes. Um, I I don't know. I mean, again, it really depends on what the zombie mode looks like. I would hope it would be fun, because, I mean, we didn't stick with the DLC for it because it went away from the, uh, you know, New Orleans feel of, like, having Jeff Goldblum and... uh, (laughs) Um, Heather Graham and all those people and went back to sort of their traditional ongoing zombies narrative, uh, which I think wrapped up with the, because I mean, they had a lot of DLC for Black Ops 3 on the zombies. Those games, those games roll. Um, I'm pretty sure it was still getting new content this past year with, with new zombie maps and whatnot. And again, each, each Call of Duty's community is slightly different and, and is ongoing, um, I know they actually just got the Black Ops 3 most recently got the prop hunt mode as well. It's the third Black Call of Duty to get it. Um, Wait, Black Ops 3? Yes. Just got it? Yes. What, but, but, but that game's three years old. What, what does that mean? It means that Call of Duty multiplayers tend to hold their lifespan because it's very different. I mean, Call of Duty 3's multiplayer has all of the, like, the 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 traversal stuff and the speed mm, that the wall running that campaign that's not in World War Two or Infinite Warfare they're all a little different because they're all from different developers and they have right. different audiences even if they're you know a lot of cross section between them I'm sure there are people who just are like which Call of Duty do I want to play tonight um, that's really interesting I never thought about that but I'm sure you're as soon as you said it I was absolutely certain that you're correct I'm sure that's how it is like I think I'll do a little Modern Warfare 4 remastered tonight I just want that that kind of uh, and and insert insert you know pithy comment about the maps and the quality of them here well you know? I mean yeah remastered is where prop hunt came from so what is prop hunt prop hunt prop hunt is like a it was a, a sort of like joke mode that now is in again three of the games but it's where instead of just being a straight-up shooter, you one team is disguised as items from around the map, and they have to, like, try and hide themselves and not be found by the enemy team. Who oh, that's cool. Them. Yeah. Have you, ever, have you ever played it? I have not, because, again, Black Ops 3 is the last one. I didn't even know it had gotten that mode till a few days ago. I read an article about it, but... Um, that's mad cool. It sounds like a fun mode. Kind of like hide-and-seek. Yeah, yeah, no, I I really like the concept of uh you know, yeah, disguising yourself as an item. Um I love it when whenever games play with those kind of concepts. Um I, another game in, in very different ways was when Assassin's Creed did its multiplayer. There was just all kinds of like brand new ways that it utilized mechanics to bring a new multiplayer experience. Now those things don't tend to have longevity, but then again, 
Call of Duty has so many other aspects that keep players there that a little mode like this can flourish beautifully. <laughs> it's interesting. Okay, um, so that's part one. Part two is that the what what people are hearing is the reason the single player campaign is not in the game is because Treyarch can't get it right um, in this current era of the the kind of quality um, of games that are coming out. They just couldn't. They don't have the the wherewithal to make the multiplayer and zombies mode and single player as good as it needs to be. And they brought in another developer, as companies often do, to like help with you know the overage of work. Um, and all of that, but they, it's just it just wasn't coming along, and they had to scrap it. So some people's theories are it'll come later, and and that sort of you know goes in with what you said about you know these games having legs. Then again, that's on the multiplayer side, not usually single player. So it'd be very weird if like two or three months or six months later the single player campaign dropped. Um, but that said, it is a possibility. But what's what the rumor that's around is that there will still be three pillars. It just instead of single player, the third pillar will be battle royale. Um, that's confirmed that there's going to be a battle royale. So uh, I don't know. I, I think that could be really interesting, though, with that kind of production value. I mean, all of it, it's very... I mean, they've had three years, and given... I mean, I thought Black Ops 3's campaign was fantastic. Right. I remember you guys were about it. So maybe if they're... they're it, it, it's just weird to me when, when you have them coming from what was a game that they put five distinct game to modes in... Um, and I mean, again, one of which was, was weird and kind of phoned in, but it was still there. Um, it, it's just, it's a weird thing to hear that they, they just didn't get there. Um, and you know, it, it just seems weird because I know obviously they, they don't have a choice. They have to ship the game. They're not going to be allowed to not have a black of duty that, or a call of duty this year. Right. Because that's just the way that production schedule works. They can't push the other two companies back. Right, um, and at this point, Call of Duty is like you know that's that's part of your annual earnings for the company. Like exactly, <laughs> I mean that's that it's on the earnings call. In fact, the news about DLC having this mind blowing new mode came out of an earnings call. Like that's why these things get announced is because they have to let you know shareholders know that like look w we know that we need to you know deliver for you on a yearly basis. Um, it's crazy yeah. how much that drives everything, but hey, it, it drives everything. And then in turn, it's like I mean I don't necessarily think that it would come later because then they immediately have to start developing the next one that comes out in three more years right right so it's true I mean, but maybe I just they mean... have something planned maybe it's all just rumors i would hope so i'd like there to be a campaign of some kind but yeah if there's not if the zombies mode is nice and robust because i always feel like zombies is just a step or two short of being something greater especially in their hands because of the way yeah. they turned they turn their maps into puzzle boxes where you have to solve and figure out what you need to do and how to progress through the narrative of the survival mode. I feel like they could really, if they wanted to, because, I mean, they're the ones who originated zombie mode at that studio, they could push it to a new place and, and evolve it in such a way that it feels like a worthy um, cooperative multiplayer experience. Right. I mean, right, Black Ops right. 3 was essentially there. We loved that first map that came with the game. So, I mean, if, if that's where their focus went, and they really upped the narrative of that, it would be cool. Right. Well, how about Battle Royale, though? Would you even play it? Uh, sure. I liked Fortnite, the little bit I've played of it. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's a mode that I, I think is still evolving and finding its footing, but I think I like the concept of it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. I mean, I like the concept of it when I'm watching it in a TV show or a movie. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that. 
Although I still have to see Battle Royale, the movie. Have you ever seen that? A while ago. Yeah, because I, I mean, my, I feel like almost maybe I did. I, anyway, all right. I want to see it again if I haven't. I think it's on <laughs> Netflix. Okay. Yeah, it should be. Um, so the Video Game Hall of Fame um, just inducted four new games into its um, hallowed halls, if it even has real halls. Um, and uh, those are Space War, weirdly. Um, John Madden Football, which I guess encompasses all of the Madden games, I guess. Um, Final Fantasy VII and Tomb Raider. Um, what do you think? Pretty worthy additions? Uh, except the first one, I guess. <laughs> so they say that, like, Space War, it's not about it being a great game, but what it did for, like, gaming in general in some weird way, infrastructure way that I don't understand. So sure. we can leave that one aside. Uh, Madden is, you know, Madden, so sure, right. I get that. Huge deal, right. Um, and then Tomb Raider and, uh... Oh, what was the... the, the Final uh, Fantasy VII. Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, no, those both make sense as well. Yeah, I, I mean, they, yeah. If you're talking about like the equivalent of Crosby, Stills and Nash, I mean, you know, or or Led Zeppelin, I mean, you know, for gaming, that's that's about what you got there. So cool. Alrighty. Um. So here's something that you can tell me more about than I know, and that is that Red Dead Redemption Two dropped its new trailer. I believe it's the third trailer or the second. Third trailer, um, yeah. How's it shaping up? I mean, it was a very um cinematics heavy trailer but it definitely seems to be more about a being in a cowboy gang than just like being the last member you know red dead redemption one is about hunting down the members of john marston's old gang right this game is about that gang and being in the gang and and when it was much bigger and more prominent and all wait it's a prequel i don't think i knew that it is a prequel, yeah, they confirmed. I mean, because Red Dead's set in, I think, 1910, so it's basically Red Dead Redemption's at the very end of the Old West. Um, so they really had nowhere to go other than that, either making it a prequel or concurrent with Red Dead Redemption. Or how about just not John Marsden? Um, well, I mean, it's not... this. You don't play as John Marsden in this. Oh, um, okay. It's just that... You know, I mean, even if you look at Red Dead Redemption, which I actually just finished watching a Let's Play of it on Super Beard Bros., it's a fairly um, modest game in terms of how big it is and how... I mean, the, the the Old West is pretty small overall. It's weird how that game grew in my mind, and then actually seeing it again, it's like, it's not the biggest game world. I think yeah, I thought it was. it was. Yeah, I thought it was. Like the, Especially when you go to Mexico, which a lot of people malign that aspect, but just, just that whole thing, I was like, whoa, there's this much more to this map? It felt big. It definitely did feel big. I think when you compare it to the fact that since then we've had things like All the Just Causes... Um, GTA Five, all those types of games. Heck, Skyrim came after it. Um, right, right. You know, all of these game worlds that were where it was really like we need to blow it way up. Um, and the technical, uh, the technology has gotten to where that can happen. Uh, it, it it was just funny seeing Red Dead feel so quaint when in my mind it was as big as any of those. Interesting. So, what was their overall consensus on it? Were they loving it? Um, who Red Dead One? The, the Beard or, Bros. Yeah, no, they loved it. I mean, it is a classic. It still looks super fun, and so much about it has seemingly aged well. Yeah. Um, the gunplay was really fun in that game, I remember. I just just enjoyed it. I think, I hope that Red Dead Redemption 2 has more of a skill tree, because after playing God of War, like, I'm even more enamored and in love with skill trees. <laughs> They're so fun. Like, making your character more powerful and then feeling it when a game does it right, oh man, there's nothing better. And Far Cry 5 did that extremely well, too. But, um... I love a good skill tree. Um, but yeah, the, the narrative really just sets up being in the cowboy gang. It seems like there you know a lot of double crossing and betrayals and uh oh, um, 
a John Marston is in the game. He's younger, and, you know, you don't play as him, but he is there, which makes sense because he was in the gang. Um, the settings look great. Uh, it really does. I mean, you know, it's hard to watch it and not immediately think Westworld and, you know, how advanced <laughs> the technology has come from the first Red Dead to this one, and then, you know, where the whole, you know, Red De or Westworld is like an MMO type of thing that people always talk about. Hmm. That's true. That's but, true. It definitely feels video gamey when you when you watch Westworld. But um, overall, it looks like it's shaping up to be a real contender for this year's top game. And it is guaranteed for this year for sure. Now, right? Uh, October sixteenth, twenty sixth. Excellent. Something. It's October. Excellent. Well, th time's flying. A bunch of new Marvel movies are right around the corner. It's amazing. Things come really fast. It is. I say it all the time, but man, to be a gamer or a geek in this day and age, what a what a embarrassment of riches it's crazy um every every week there's something amazing to look forward to like destiny dropping well that's not amazing but it's coming um and then like you got your you know ant-man and the wasp is this year and you've got solo dropping and i mean just what are the other ones that are just about to come out there's so many um games there's another big out? one no well yeah but i was actually talking about oh, movies, movies for movies a second yeah you said so uh deadpool right that's the one i was forgetting i knew there was one yeah so basically just Deadpool and um, Solo are like the next two weeks. It's crazy. Yeah. It's just – it really is an embarrassment of which riches. Okay. Um, not, not an embarrassment of me's. Um, so uh, this is a weird little stat. So Xbox backward compatibility, they have, they're approaching right now for like the total play time for people that people have used Xbox backwards compatibility. And I assume that means 360 and 1. Um, it's just about to hit 1 billion hours. That's crazy. And do you remember back when people were saying or developers were like, we don't need to include backward compatibility. Nobody cares about playing old games. Remember that? Yes. And it looks like that's not the case. No, I mean, there's definitely people for it. I mean, to me, I have played the occasional 360 game, so I'm not going to pretend I don't ever use it. But, I mean, it was never a make-or-break feature for me just because... It it just I mean nowadays it feels like if you really want to you can just call it an HD remaster and bring it forward but people yep. want to be able to to have their games without having to rebuy them. I am the most amazed by the Switch and how how much it it the prophecy that many people had that a lot of the you know Wii U titles that were lost in the Wii U shuffle are going to be re released on the on the Switch. Oh my God! It's like the entire library. Every good game that ever came out for the Wii U is coming out on Switch. It's crazy. Yeah, I was looking at games coming out soon, and I know that, obviously, Tropical Freeze just came out. Mm -hmm. um, Captain Toad's Treasure Tracker's coming out pretty soon. That's <laughs> crazy. Uh, All I'm, the stuff you wanted to play, right? Yeah, I'm real. like, my big hope is still, I, I would love for new Super, or Mario, Super Mario 3D World to come out, because um, I never got to play that one, but... Ah, that would be cool, yeah, um, maybe... They may do some kind of new version of it, or I don't know. That'd be interesting to see how they did that. But yeah, that game's fun. I mean, it's not like the best ever, but it's really fun. Yeah. Um, um, and I yeah. want, um, I, I want the uh, the even though it's not supposedly very good, I want Color Splash to come out real bad. I mean, again, uh, it's just there. It's probably not hard to port them. Um, it's yeah. just a matter of they can't flood the market. They have to put space between them. Right. Right. Otherwise, they'll just get lost in the shuffle, and yeah, it'll you know, it'll defeat the um, purpose. I'm still hoping that, I mean, I, I, it's obviously one of the best ideas they ever had, so I hope Mario Maker is around the corner. Yeah, and and that it's not like that 3DS version. Of course it wouldn't be. That 3DS version was appalling. Um, 
So uh, here's another story that you, I think, may be excited about if you don't already know about it. Life, and especially, actually, now that I read this title, Life is Strange Dust comic is coming out. It continues the story of uh, Life is Strange um, after um, whichever ending you pick. I think it's, I think it says, like, it doesn't matter what you picked. This is, like, a possible future for, for the two of them. Did you see this? That's weird. Yeah, I I don't know. I it's it said something like that. Um, but it it's interesting, right? I mean, is is that something that you'd be interested in? I don't know how much either of us reads like comic continuations and tie-ins. I know though you like Buffy and, and Angel. I, yeah, there are some that I definitely read. I in fact, Free Comic Book Day was yesterday. I picked up the next Power Rangers trade. Um, so I like tie-in comics, um, especially when they can stand on their own and be independently entertaining but I, I life is strange i don't you know i still haven't played before the storm and i don't necessarily have an interest in seeing any kind of possible future i like the ending as it stands yeah in life is strange it's I felt very like it was self-contained it's yeah I, I i would agree but anyway i thought that was an interesting little little tidbit also there the, the um the comic is going to also be digital and it's going to be included in um a special complete collection of life is strange that's coming out in december 4th i think um so that'll be just a new packaging of you know the first game before the storm and uh and obviously this this weird comic continuation thing so you know yeah. maybe that'll be your chance to play before the storm if you ever do yeah maybe cool um, all right I mean, it's on sale i think somewhat frequently so oh yeah there's no i think about it, it is always on sale um okay uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. Oh, yeah, um, Nintendo, their new president, wants to create way more smartphone games and keep their focus on smartphone and the Switch. Um, not so much on 3DS, but they didn't say that specifically. Um, I don't know, what do you think about all this? You think 3DS is going to continue to thrive? I know there's been a lot of announcements. I mean, yeah, I'm always surprised that it's still getting games, but I, I, I just don't think it's long for the world. It's, I think more time is behind it than ahead of it by a significant margin. <laughs> yeah, I'll say. I think that's a very safe – talk about – that's the safest statement I think we'll hear on this podcast. Okay. Or, you know, it'll, we'll get to 2025 and they'll still be releasing games for it. Which would be – which would – I wouldn't mind. I certainly wouldn't. Um, so there's another story about Nintendo. I'll let you take that one because you brought it to the, uh, to the table. Uh, so this isn't a – I, I don't even know what this, this translates to in terms of importance, but Nintendo Labo has uh, debuted with 100,000 in sales. Yeah, I mean, it's very hard to, to, to have any kind of, like, what do you compare it to, Rock Band? Um, Wii Music? I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's very, it's its own product category. It's like $70, I think, for the, the, the medley kit or the whatever you call it, the kit where you can make like five or six different things. Yeah. And then there, it's like 80 bucks for the robot kit, I think. So it's in its own price point, although only slightly more than a game. Um, and it's got a very specific audience, you know, basically 12 and under as far as I'm concerned. Oh, well, okay. Apparently this was specifically in Japan. Oh. Sold 119,000 units there. So that's actually, that that's not, not worldwide, which is good. That makes it more impressive yet. It may be like more like four to five hundred thousand. No, probably more like two to two fifty. But still, that's a lot of cardboard, man. Yeah, you I mean, it has it. a dedicated section in uh, like Target. Not yeah. a big section, but it's like it, there is a make and play section now there. It's replaced <laughs> all of the toys to life. Oh god, that's so sad. When I see like um, uh, Lego Dimensions on ter- like deep discounts, I get you know unexplainably sad it's so unfortunate i love um, that so much potential we we went to actually a toys r us 
going out of business sale because, you know, we were there. And, and while it is unfortunate that the so many people are losing their jobs, we just kind of popped in. And they had those four – the um, Disney Infinity starter sets were selling for, like, 250 No. Yeah. Starter sets? Yes. You bought them. We we did buy one because it was the Star Wars one, and we really liked the Ahsoka figure that came with it. And you know, we also got Anakin, and it, at a dollar twenty-five a figure, that's not bad. That is so nuts. It, were all the were all the discounts that deep? I heard some that the discounts were crazy. They're still pretty up there because I mean, it's not like they're going out of they're not like closing down next week. A lot of them still have several months of business ahead of them. Um, oh, but. Like game one by me is gone off at this point at this particular store um a lot of the toys to life stuff was on deeper sales you know some of the things weren't like the amiibo were on sale but not super on sale mm-hmm. um but i did get a palutena amiibo because it was on deep sale at like three dollars nice Nice. Hey, how many times have you seen that one Animal Crossing amiibo? The one with the, uh, I have it actually, uh, Maud or Maeve or whatever, the one with the uh, little porcupine quills? Oh yeah, that one, one of the like not famous citizens. Yes. Yeah. Ha- have, tell me you haven't seen that on like $2 sales for like three years. Yeah, those those ones are always kind of cheap. Uh, they, they really are. I bought it once because I think it's cute and I like porcupines even though I believe she's a hedgehog. Um, it's porcupine-esque. So uh, we also actually got the Detective Pikachu amiibo because it was on twenty percent off. Oh, you haven't played that, have you? No, it's such a big thing too. I don't know if you've seen it. It's oversized. Oh, really? Yeah. What's it like? Um, it's like five or six inches tall. How much was it? Uh, well, it retails at thirty dollars. So you got it for what twenty six? I guess that is. I'm not. I'm, I'm yeah, not about thinking. 20, I'm typing twenty four. Twenty four. That's right. Uh, I'm doing my. Uh, I'm, if I ever get Detective Pikachu, I'll have. It. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, are you? I kind of want to play it. I kind of do. Um, it's got good reviews. I I'm trying to still figure out. Like I get it. Like it's kind of like Ace Ventura. I mean Ace Ventura. It's kind of like Ace Attorney. It's kind of like um, you know a, a adventure game, but like kind of not. Also, what, what do you know about this? Oh, basically nothing. I know that a talking Pikachu teams up with a kid to solve a mystery. <laughs> the way you said talking Pikachu was really funny. I don't know why. <laughs> That's what it is. Is a Danny DeVito sounding Pikachu? Not in the U.S. though. Who plays him in the U.S.? Some uh, other dude. I think. Ryan Reynolds is playing him in the movie. That's right. That's what I heard. Weird. Really weird. Okay. A um, couple more, real quick. Um, 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 um. Uh, tell me what's going on with Overwatch because Overwatch I see in the news a lot. It's like on its like fifth something or other. What's going on with Overwatch, man? Uh, well, it just had its um. Second, I, I always what what the best way it had its archives event, which last year was the uprising event. This year they they it was the the mission this year was retribution, but they're just calling it the archives event now because it is um, stories from Overwatch's past where you play PVE missions um, based on previous Overwatch missions or or things set in the world. So last year it was the Omnic uprising, and you you played as like an Overwatch strike team going to like take them down this <coughs> excuse me this yeah. year you played as black watch going on an infiltration mission to try and get a capture a target uh the mission goes sideways and you they like fight your way out of venice while uh you know fighting talon forces 
And, hmm. uh, you know, both times, they, you know, this year really upped the game. Uh, previously, they've had, like, an- not not animated, like, uh, illustrated cart, like, like, you know, sort of like if you've played Lego DLC, where they have, like, the comic book panels that they show to tell the story. They kind of did mm-hmm. that. This year, they, they did a full uh, CG in-game engine cutscene to start the Ooh. mission off. Um and, uh, is it, it was, a fun mission? No, it was a really fun mission. Um, I th- I think Junkenstein's Revenge is the most easy to f- is the easiest to farm if you just want to like level up a lot because it it's the most brainless. But this one has a really good pathway. What was cool about it is that it was on a new map. Um, Uprising last year was just on King's Row, modified slightly. This year, uh, it is now a map. They they added a new map after the event was over called Rialto. That is the same map just during the day but at the time it was a new area didn't know what to expect the first time a couple times through um so that was fun uh but now that the event is over they introduced the new map uh which is a new escort map um but the big thing is they did what they like to do uh to kind of try to balance the game they did some major patches for different characters uh there were some smaller ones different characters getting you know, slight damage changes or movement variations, but the two big ones that jump out were Hanzo's Scatter Arrow, which was an ability where he could, like, fire one arrow that would, like, break apart and hit a bunch of targets at once, was fully mm-hmm. replaced with a... I, I, don't, I forget the exact name. It's like a speed arrow where once you activate it, you don't have to pull your string. They're just, like, instant shots. Your next right. six arrows are just fired instantly when you pull the trigger. Cool. Um, so it kind of gives him like an SMG mode for a moment. And also gave him a forward leap. So when he jumps in the air, he can then forward leap, uh, which is good for traversal. Uh, Lucio, meanwhile, got updated where his wall surf can now go around corners when he's like uh, running along the wall. So he can just sort of like just a lot more mobility and a lot more speed from that. Uh, and then one of his moves no longer takes ammo. One of his alt fires just is a... His boop, basically, doesn't uh, take uh, ammo. And he can use it when he's reloading. So it just adds his to his defensive abilities. Um, so there there are some changes there. They've had, they had a few more changes recently. Uh, it's always interesting because, you know, nerfs and buffs are obviously always changing the game up. Uh, and You don't... And, go ahead. Uh, no, I was just going to say... But the, you know, new map's the big thing, new changes to some characters that make them feel fresh again, uh, and, you know, either make people complain, because the, the new arrow is pretty intense to fight against, but it's also fun to use. Uh, I don't know, I've been enjoying playing Overwatch a good bit recently, basically since Brigitte was released a couple months ago, so I'm, I'm, I'm always fu- down with Overwatch. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's cool. Um, so Junkenstein, though, you can't still play that, right? No, you can only play that during Halloween. Okay, but it does come back each Halloween. So far, I mean, it. The, Overwatch is only just approaching its second anniversary. Oh, okay. So, um, last year, yes, they brought it back. They they've typically brought back whatever mode debuted or was featured. Like Lucio Ball came back during Summer Games. Uh, Maze Snowball Offensive came back during Winter, but they also added the Yeti Hunt game. Um. And then again, Uprising let, or the Archives event this year let you, Retribution was the main focus, but you could also play Uprising as well if you wanted to, so. Interesting. Um, Interesting. Sounds like fun. Hey, did I hear rumor 
that not a rumor did i see a news story i I, i'm gonna just say yes i did see a news story i want to know if you've heard of this about somebody playing like that that zen character zenyatta and like destroying everybody with them did Um, you see this no yeah so there's like this guy um this asian um really masterful overwatch player um i think korean um, and, uh, and he basically like is brand new and he came into one of those tournaments and slaughtered everybody with Zenyatta, who's usually, I guess, apparently like a, a healer or, or a, support a support character. Player, yeah. And so he figured out how to use those little orbs he throws to like get them powered up. And like, he would be like MVP for kills and shit with Zenyatta. It's a really interesting thing. I, I thought you might've heard of it. What with Kelsey talking about, um, esports, you know, I mean, it, it doesn't immediately jump out to me, but, I mean, I watch... If he's a very good player, I'm sure he might be in for recruitment. I, yeah, I, I just don't know. Uh, I watch... Yeah. I watch Overwatch League a good bit, so... Uh, Here we go. Here it is. It was on um, It was on Kotaku, and it says, An Overwatch pro um, is turning the game's Zen Monk into a vicious killer. It says, Overwatch's healer monk Zenyatta floats cross-legged while delivering voice lines like embrace tranquility, and be one with the universe. He was a frail, peace-loving healer, it seemed, until Sung Hyung Jonak, J-J-O-N-A-K, bangs January debut in the Overwatch League. Four days after the league launched, he his Zenyatta exacted an absolutely bonkers 10,764 damage, 24% of his entire team's output on the Junkertown map. Later that game, he stole more damage than any of his New York Excelsior teammates or their opponents, the Houston Outlaws. The broadcasters didn't know how to process what was happening in front of them. Zenyatta was spiking his monk's robes to the ground and going on a bloodthirsty rampage. Cool, well, right? Yeah, I mean, now that I'm seeing the article, I, I'm not, I, 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 NYXL's not my team. They are the best team in the league, pretty much accepted in terms of performance. They are at the top of the overall leaderboard right now. Oh yeah, um, yeah. They're 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 playing today in the it's the stage three finals today. So I'm going to be watching that because my team is in it. They actually just set the record, uh, not the record, but they they are the first team to go undefeated in a stage. They haven't lost. They didn't lose any of their ten matches this past stage. So that was cool. I didn't know you had a team. Yeah, Boston Uprising. Interesting. How did that become your team? Uh, well, I'm a Red Sox fan, and I just arbitrarily picked because I had no esports <laughs> allegiances before Overwatch League started. So but... you decided to make one. Yeah. Well, you know what? It paid off. They they didn't start off as the best. Um, yeah. But they I really, love underdogs. Really come together in stage three. Again, they're they were they are the top of the stage three leaderboard. They actually got to pick their first opponent in the semifinal match. Um, which isn't surprising they, who they pick. They pick LA Gladiators, so Valiant and NYXL, who are two of the top teams as well, are going to go each at, go against each other first. Um, and assuming Boston beats the LA Gladiators, they'll go up against whoever wins that. Well, that's interesting. So, so in a strategic move, the two toughest teams have to knock one another out. One of them will go. Yeah, I mean, it, I, Gladiators. I mean, obviously, they all made it to the semifinals, so they're they're all, all good ridiculously teams, good, right? But they just they, their last match of stage three was against the Gladiators, and they had probably their best performance um, against them. So, I mean, it makes sense. Uh, though, you know, Gladiators could be coming for blood today. You know, who right. Knows? Right. Um, I'm excited to watch the matches and see what happens. I, I'm rooting for Boston, obviously. That's today? Yes. 
Wow, a lot of, lot going on in the world of Overwatch. Man, you can I can only imagine the kind of legs it would give a game to have that kind of uh, passionate esports love going on. Um, one last little thing: um, SNK Neo Geo Mini. Um, have you seen this? It's like a little mini uh, uh, coin up, like arcade machine. Have you seen it? No. It's cute. It like sits on your desk and it's got like a little joystick and little buttons and like you and a little like five inch LCD screen and it looks like a little mini coin up. Um, but it also can, of course, be converted and it's got an HDMI output and controller ports so you could turn it into a Neo Geo. And it, it just once again brought back those memories I used to have when I was a kid with my Nintendo and my Super Nintendo and, you know, eventually N64 and, and looking at kids who had Genesis's and all of that. And, and then also seeing the Neo Geo and being like, damn, that Neo Geo looks sick. And back then it was like $600 and I knew I would never get one, nor did I really need one, honestly. <laughs> but... It was always like this this alluring thing, and it's cool that you can you know get all that stuff now. I mean, you can buy it on any other platform as well, but you know it's kind of cool. You into these minis at all? Not really. Um, yeah. You know, I'm not big on it. <laughs> yeah. On like the retro games being played on these little units. Well, I have something to talk about a little bit um, moving forward. But um, on that note, any other stories you have in mind? No, that's it. Awesome. Cool. So let's talk about what we've been playing. Um, and I will start off with that segue then. So I picked up an SNES mini. <laughs> All right. I, I never, th- well, so when the NES mini came out, I was just like, Hmm, I, I want to have it because it's so popular and everybody's so into it. I think it was only 60 bucks if you could find one. Um, and I thought about getting one cause I'm a huge Nintendo fan. We, we both are. A lot of people are. Um, but then they were so scarce and it, it just didn't matter enough to me. Um, Fast forward to the SNES Minis announcement, and I was pumped about that, because there's a couple games on there that I never played that I really want to play, one of which is Mother 2, a.k.a. Earthbound, and the other is um, Secret of Mana. So those are two games I really want to play, and I'd love to play them in their original form. Um, And plus, the other games on there are actually playable. Like, Nintendo would be cool to have because it's cute and cool. The Super Nintendo Mini, I will play. Like, I'll play games on that. Like, I, I think I would maybe play Contra with the 30-man code still on Nintendo and maybe, like, you know, an emulated version of the original Mario, maybe. But other than that, like, I, I just don't really see myself playing regular Nintendo games. But Super Nintendo, on the other hand, like, there's a, it's it's good enough where I could really enjoy playing it still. So I'm excited about that. Um, I haven't had a ton of time to, to break it out, but I will tell you this. It's tiny. Have you seen them in the flesh? Uh, I've, I've seen them in, um, you know, with people. So yeah, I've, I've seen how small they are. They're really, really little. And I, I wasn't expecting the unit to be so little and then the controllers to be so big. So they are legitimate Super Nintendo controllers. They're the exact same size. And I guess I'd heard that, but I didn't like make the connection because the controllers are longer and bigger than the unit itself. It's very odd. Um, and so the way I got it was I had to do one of those GameStop bundles. It was like one of IGN's daily deals. Hey, they have these in stock at GameStop, blah, blah, blah. So you go over there, and of course, even though on, on IGN it says 80 bucks, once you get there, it's $115 out the door because you got to buy a bundle, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I did it because they were so rare. They've gotten a little less rare lately. People have kind of been, you know, advertising them in different articles, have been like, hey, you can get one now, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, I've seen them in the wild. Have you? Yeah, there was one at the Best Buy here. Really? Yeah, I mean, it's a smaller town, though. I mean, they get it. Yeah. And unless they have a lot of the dedicated people, it just kind of is there. I mean, it did sell eventually. Oh, yeah, so you went back and it wasn't there. Yeah. 
Okay, yeah, because I was going to say that's really – I mean, I've never seen one in the wild still. Um, you know, but it's like again, last um, – when I got here last summer to Kansas, I, they had switches on the shelf. That's crazy. That's cool. I mean, hey, is that kind of like the tiniest silver lining? <laughs> if I was an early adopter for new systems. I see. I see. Okay, cool. But it, um, it, it is nice in terms of like I having to not – really worry about pre-ordering tickets or just kind of going and, and the only time we've had to pre-order tickets was infinity war man and so it was like mad sold out even there yeah cool um but anyway i picked that up i'll be playing it and talking about it more as as the you know weeks and months go by um but just the idea of sitting down and having like that kind of like fun authentic experience with a uh with secret of mana or mother um are there any games on there you would play if you had one i mean i'd play Star Fox 2 for the novelty but yeah just yeah, just to see like what the hell it's about. I mean, I hear that it's kind of clunky and and well, of course it's you know it's SNES and. Um, I mean, ideally, I won't have to, but you know, Nintendo's taking an, a a really unforgivable amount of time getting around to virtual console on Switch, or anything that any of their online capabilities really. Um, like yeah, they it's they they Nintendo just Nintendo does what Nintendo does. They get by because they know they can. Right. Right. Um, and, and, you know, I, 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 it looked like they were getting better for fans, and they are still in a lot of ways. Um, but at the same time, the, the, the online and the virtual console are just huge, stunning omissions. Yeah. Um, but, um, okay. So let me talk about something real quick here um, that I think you have played some of. Um, first, Far Cry 5. So you played a little bit of that. How much did you play um, of it? I mean, I've probably played five or six hours. Uh-huh. And how did you feel about it? It's Far Cry? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they've changed some things, obviously. Um, and I like that there are... I really... Like, the things that stand out to me are... Uh, the, the gameplay's solid. The, you know, narrative. The side quests are fun. I, it feels like there's... it's It feels bigger than Far Cry 4 or 3 in terms of having a lot of side characters and other things to do. Yeah. Um, and I really like the, I forget what they're called, the survivalist dins oh, or whatever. Oh, the where caches. You have to, like, yeah, yeah, we the, have to the... solve slight puzzles. I like those. Oh, man. Those are really great. Yeah, I, you, you just reminded me of them. Those are uh, the prepper, prepper stash. Prepper, yeah, yeah prepper preppers. cache. Um, um, I don't, those are amazing. I don't love that, you know, every once in a while when you've done enough, the game just, like, <laughs> hijacks you. But I yeah. also... I, I don't I don't hate it so much because I realize it is, uh, you know Tim talks about it a lot. Our former co-host, how when you have a big open world, there's that tear between just doing the story or getting lost in the side quests and creating that sense of urgency. It is it is an attempt to make that urgency constant in the story. But That's when I'm point. when I'm doing side quests or I'm in the middle of a side quest and one of those crack shots hit me out of my plane. <laughs> And I go all drugged out and then get kidnapped. That's a oh, you more. got hit out of your plane. Yes, I was like oh, eight hundred feet up, and I got oh. like sniped. And then I apparently very calmly landed my plane so they could kidnap me. Oh my god! So that I didn't know could happen because obviously it, I was always on the ground when it went down. But that is funny. 
Well, um, after the first time, I was specifically like, once I crossed that threshold, I got into a plane and was like, no, and then I got got. <laughs> okay, got it. So it, you were you were testing uh, its limits. You were like, come get me, motherfucker. No, when the game when the game wants guy. you, it's gonna take you. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 crazy. I, I I did not know you could get blasted out of a plane. I thought maybe they'd like wait till you landed, but apparently not. They force you to land. Um, so which uh, which of the three areas did you do first? Um, Falls End, I guess. I forget which brother yeah. that is. But... Bottom left. Yeah, yes guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. The power of yes. So yeah, that one that one's cool. Um, I think one thing I think that game does really well is. Uh, the the characters and and the story are are so much better than at least Far Cry Three was. Now don't get me wrong, like you know Voss is really cool and all of that, but the enemies are always pretty good in that game. But the but the people that you hang out with, like I actually grew a fondness for in this game, which I was surprised at because I really didn't think that I was going to enjoy spending time in this place. Not because I have any problem with Southerners or flyover state residents or anything like that, but just because I don't want to see these dumb caricatures like, uh, hey, man, I'm going to blow that shit up and all that kind of stuff. Like, I just, I don't, like, I wouldn't hang out with that dude, so why would I want to hang out with him in a video game? Um, but it actually turns out that some of them are more endearing than you would think. Um, the writing is pretty darn good on it. And I know that game takes a lot of flack because it's a missed opportunity politically. Um, you know, a lot of people feel very strongly about that. Um, and, and, and leaving that aside, I mean, it, you know, the Ubisoft is first and foremost a company that's out to make money. And there are a ton of people that play these video games that don't want that from it. Um, I know critics did. Um, and I get that. I get I get how it the timing makes them really want that. Um, but, you know, as a game, it, it's really fun. I found myself just riveted to, like, leveling up and collecting all the perks. And I actually 100%ed the game, which I don't do very much, as you may know. Um, but I, I, got, I did every side quest. I did every kamikaze. Did you do any of the kamikaze shit, like, where you have to be that dude? Not – oh, oh, wait, like the – like the, the – oh, um – you know evil the dude. evil type stuff yeah, yeah yeah i did one of those you did you've done a pretty healthy smattering of stuff then if you did a couple prepper stashes if you did at least enough to like get to one or two of those times when john takes you um away um and if you did you know enough side missions to kind of know that the cast of characters is colorful you got a really good sense of what that game is yeah but it's far cry i mean it's one of those things where i, I played a lot but i don't feel like i did a lot <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that that's a really good point. It definitely has a lot to do before you start to feel some sense of accomplishment. Once you close down one area, that feels really big and like a seismic shift in things. Um, but yeah, leading up to that, it just feels very much like, oh man, there's like 50 more side quests like just riddled around. Um, once you get to the the upper area is cool. I, I like John. John's a good start, but I think I like the other two better. Jacob's is really interesting and it has a really great twist near the end that I think you'll dig when you get to it one day. Um, and then uh, when you get over to Faith, I saved her for last. I think that's kind of their intention. Um, and she is really interesting. Like how – because, you know, John is a brother. Jacob is a brother. They're all part of the Seed family. Faith isn't. So, like, there's a story to be told there about how she entered this family, you know? Um, and you and you find all of that out, and it's really, you know, sad and, and really heartfelt. So while, there, while it may be, you know, in some people's minds a missed opportunity politically – um, uh, from a from a you know Washington politics and and socioeconomic perspective, they do talk about some real serious social issues in that game. Um, you know, especially in the faith section and you know the kind of life she's had and 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 um, 
you know inhumanities that she's that she's had to to survive um so anyway um it, it does a lot of things right the gameplay is super fun i think it's a little limited on the number of weapons it has um but overall it's just a really f- oh and and also i felt like there was less of a less of a reliance on clearing out um outposts i know you always love the outposts no they definitely the ones i've done it definitely feels less like I mean, they're more dynamic, I get that, but it, it does yeah. feel like, just in general, the stealth feels less like a thing you can do reliably. I completely, 100% agree. Um, I literally could almost never get a perfect one of those done, because, like, if they found a body, like, you were done. They, they immediately seem like they could find you then. Like, they, they're like, oh, here's a body, where is he? Oh, there he is. Or or other things that would happen, and then when you see like really good players playing it online, what they do is they book. So like you, they get all those. I guess they get all those perks where like you can run silently, and they just book around and like kill dudes before anything can even be discovered. And that isn't the way I play stealth. You know, I play stealth probably the way most people do. I feel like, which is you know slowly and quietly. You know, the way that video games have taught us forever. Yeah. And this is it's 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 different. It's I definitely. Mean- it's not a stealth game. It's not like they sell Far Cry as a stealth game. Um, I, I and if I, when I want a stealth game, I'm gonna you know Metal Gear Solid Five is free this month, so I'll finally maybe get back to that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's. I need to play that period because people just rave about that game. I was just so incredibly bummed that I heard it doesn't have an ending. Is that really true? It just doesn't have an ending. I don't know. I got. I I played a lot of it and then it changed to like a whole new big map area and I was exhausted, so I stopped. Yeah, yeah, that's um, right. But also, Similar I mean, I'm not feeling. super invested in in Metal Gear Solid either. Uh, outside of. Metal Gear Solid 2, I haven't spent that much time with the franchise. Well, you've played 3 and 4, no? I've played them, but not a lot. But, oh, you mean you never finished either of those? No. Oh, interesting. I really thought you had. Okay. No, I 3, at least I, 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 I played a little bit of after I finished 2, because I got it in the HD collection, but... Right. I didn't like the change in vibe, um, and I was exhausted, because Metal Gear Solid yeah. 2 is long. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's really true. Oh, I'll tell you one cool thing that's happening. You may know this, but Far Cry Three Remastered is coming out like in a month or whatever. Um, so there and 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 it's part of the season pass. So if you buy the season pass for Far Cry Five, which one one or the other of you may do, um, then you could then you actually get Far Cry Three's like remake version, that's which for me it's weird. No, yeah, it's just weird. Which for me, as somebody who never finished Far Cry 3, might be really a good idea because I got about two-thirds of the way through and I never quite finished it and I kind of wish I had. But playing it on the new consoles would be a big help because it's, you know, it never got released on anything past, um, obviously, PS3 and, and Xbox. So, um, Cool. Well, anyway, that's Far Cry. Far Cry is fun. I mean, I, I was riveted. I couldn't stop playing until I finished it. I will tell you this, Jordan. The ending is fucking crazy. Have you heard that? <laughs> I have. Do you know about it? No, I don't know anything about okay. it. Okay, just... I won't tell you, of course. Uh, but let me just say, like, they went Infinity War on that ass. Um, that shit's crazy. That shit's crazy. Not not really Infinity War, so don't, that's not a spoiler. But, I mean, what I mean is that the aspect of where Infinity War just went crazy and did something incredibly ballsy, it's similar in that vein. So, 
Um, anyway, you got to play it, man. You got to play it. It's an experience that needs to be had finishing that game. Um, I don't know that hundred percenting it was necessary. Um, I could see just going through the game and playing it for 20 hours instead of the 50 that I put in. Um, but anyway, fun game. Um, but anyway, after that, I was waiting for God of War, but it wasn't out yet. And, um, I don't know if you've had this feeling, um, yourself, but I have this weird thing that happens where video game, um, hype cycles are happening like a week too soon for me. So I feel like I want to play a game a week before it comes out fever pitch. So like it's happened with Far Cry and it happened with God of War where like the week when all the reviewers were playing it and talking about how amazing it was, like the way they had worked the hype cycle, that's when I wanted to play it the most. And then when it finally came out, it I had gone down a little bit in my anticipation. Um and then I started playing it, and after about three or four hours, it, it took hold of me again, and I and I got really pumped and really into it. But I, I've noticed that these hype cycles are starting a little sooner, and the ramp up is a little faster to the point where I really like they don't have it quite right uh, for me anymore. I feel like I, I want the shit before I can have the shit, which sucks. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, um, yeah. it does. I mean, that happens. Like with movies too, you know. You you know you hear about. Um, and that's why embargoes are important. You know, when, when, like, for example, Infinity War, they, they embargoed it very differently than they embargo a lot of other Marvel movies where, you know, we were hearing about Ragnarok's reviews a month earlier, remember? Yeah. Um, whereas Infinity War had a, I think a Wednesday, um, at 12 a.m., um, social media embargo. And then, uh, like 6 a.m. was the review embargo on Wednesday, like before Thursday or something like that. Very late. Um, understandably, because it's got a crazy ending. Um, but embargoes are important, and figuring out how you're going to balance your hype cycle, I mean, I've really noticed that it plays a role now that, you know, social media and video game sites and all this stuff is so much more, like, embedded in our lifestyle. It becomes, like, now's the time to play God of War, must play God of War right now, you know? So. Yeah. Um, but in the meantime, while I was waiting through that fucking interminable week waiting for God of War, I wanted to play something like Far Cry, so I grabbed Just Cause 3, because I have it free from playstation plus and i played that some and i enjoyed it quite a bit it's okay what do you think um you play it you did right uh what was it again sorry i missed just, hearing no, what you said no, no problem just cause three just cause three yeah no i played it what do you think of it uh <laughs> i think my initial reaction was accurate um yeah i don't know it it was it was fun Actually, I mean, you know, I don't know. It's it's weird because I enjoyed. I played a lot of it, uh, a oh, lot, yeah? lot of it when I got it because it was on sale and just it. It is it is kind of funny. I mean, in a very juvenile way. Uh huh. And uh, I like clearing out the towns and hunting stuff down, and it was very easy to do that mindlessly just to be playing something. Right. But I mean, it's not like it's an investable narrative. No. No, it certainly is not. And that's something that I think is really interesting. It really it really um, provided a good contrast point between itself and Far Cry, where Far Cry has ridiculousness, like the evil Knievel stuff and, you know, doing just jumps and, you know, all the bullets you throw and, and catch and, and just all of that stuff. is It's crazy and it's ludicrous um, with bunkers and explosions and helicopters, bombs and all that stuff. But yet it still does maintain enough of a serious tone where I feel like, you know, I, 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 I'm not playing a slapstick game, but, but Just Cause definitely goes over that line. I mean, right down to the weird traversal method, cool traversal method. You played two, right? Isn't that why you were kind of pumped? Because you liked the, yeah, the traversal? I, I liked the, tra- yeah, I played two, finished it. Um, 
I liked the traversal. I, I've always enjoyed that. Um, I mean, again, it's because they made the map so needlessly large that you kind of have to uh, have have a very speedy character to be able to get around. But uh, there's there's a satisfying loop to it of, of hooking and pulling and wingsuiting or parachuting. I, I It was enjoyable enough. Yeah, yeah. And then you wanted to get the next one because you were looking for another sort of that kind of experience. Yeah. Um, and I, again, it's not even that. It's just it's such a big game and I get really distracted. Because, I mean, narratively, I don't think it's even that long. Um, I think there's only a handful, like 30 story missions, maybe. Uh-huh. Um, I would just spend, you know, five, six hours clearing out towns and, and sections of the map. <laughs> Right, uh, because you have to. I mean, it makes it makes you work for it. It doesn't until you you really uh, have cleared out a good bit on your own. It, it doesn't make it super easy to find all the things you need to get rid of. That's right. That is so true. That's what I was wondering when I was playing it. I only played one town. Um, that first one you get to, and I was like, wait a minute, where is the shit? There's no like markers. There's there's not really a HUD that tells you where the stuff is, or unless I'm missing it. No, I mean, if you open the map after you... You have to have started it a good bit. It will, like, when you've got fewer items left, it'll show you on the map. Um, but it won't... It'll show you on the, like, the pull-up map, not the mini-map. Uh, so you have to, like, hunt it down a little. I see. I see. Okay. That's weird. That's... I mean, I guess that's cool. It just seems like those... those. It's just very different than a lot of other games. But I guess that's okay. And then what are there, like, 50 of those to take down? Or is it, like, 10? Um, I'm trying to remember. There's like, th th I think there's 13 regions, and they have five to nine places to do that in. Holy shit! Uh, to clear out a region, something like that. That's really big. Um, some of them are easier, like the towns are usually easier, but you know, the military bases are pretty tough. <laughs> they sound fun, man. I no, funny. I enjoyed it. It's it's something I went back to it. I think at least two times and did more in it. I just never finished it. I see. Okay. Um. So at this point, tell me about something you've been playing, Jordan. Um. I'll mention this slightly. I really don't want to say a lot on it, just because I'm I'm only halfway through it, and it's not even that long to begin with. Uh. But I did start playing What Remains of Edith Finch last night. Ah. Um, okay. Which I'm really enjoying. I had zero... I mean, I, with with games like that, or Dear Esther, that are, you know, the narrative-based, uh, and you know what a lot of people derisively call walking simulators, um, right. I typically know very little about them, so going into this, I didn't know what to expect. Uh, it's very, you know, much like in that same camp as Gone Home. Um, mm -hmm. And it definitely went places pretty quickly that I was not expecting, so it had some really cool things in it so far. Um, I'm engaged in the narrative, and I'm probably going to finish it later today, just because... I mean, it's only a two-hour game. I probably played about an hour of it. Is it a Switch title for you? No, no, I just... It's it's on uh, Xbox One. Oh, okay. Got it. You've been uh, meaning to pick that one up, though. I, I always hear really good things about that game, just that... It, oh, man, Edith Finch is a great example of such and such, or whatever. Yeah, um, I it, it does a lot of cool, interesting things... Um, it had one thing that was a huge surprise in it that I would not have even begun to expect would be in it, but it was cool. Um, the way it tells its story through different mediums is interesting. Um, one of the stories is, you know, a uh, like letter from one of the characters, another is a journal. One's like an EC horror comic 
that was based on one of their family members' lives. So it goes to a lot of different cool places. Huh. That's, uh, that's neat. What do you do in it? I know you said walking simulator, but, like, what are the interactions? I mean, the conceit is it's a, a young woman returning to her childhood home to, uh, you know, f- after her mother's death to discover the secrets of her family. Um, and so a lot of it is just fi- making your way through the house, finding different relics of your old family members, and then learning their stories. But do you have to, like, unlock doors and stuff to, like, keep progressing? Is that how that, how's that how they gate it? Yeah, but, I mean, it, it's not like you, you're solving puzzles. It's more that you're finding things in the story that will then let you, like, figure out the other way. Like, like really early, right at the beginning, there's, like, the basement door is locked, and you the character had no, has never had any idea how to get into the basement. But then in one of the other stories, she finds out how to get into the basement, and then you go to the basement. I see. Okay. So they do it like that. It's sort of like a, I don't know, story gating. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's one of those things where I don't think it's like Gone Home, where if you've played Gone Home, you can beat it in under a minute because you know where things are. I think it is straight up just, you have to follow the path just because of how the interactions work. But interesting okay well i want to play it i mean that's i hear a lot of good things about it so one of the reasons you're loath to talk too much is because you assume that by the end it'll maybe the you know the the context will have changed well yeah i mean the context might change it's short so i don't really want to spoil anything because i mean it's not a long game Um, right and yeah i mean it's it's narrative focused so to talk too much about it is is you know not necessary i think just play it if it sounds interesting to you yeah yeah that's cool. That's cool. Um, anything else? Um, the biggest thing I've been playing recently is Resident Evil Zero. Okay. Um, which again, I, I've been I've been watching a lot of Super Beard Bros, and they they finished a Resident Evil One Let's Play, and I really liked watching. Was it the them remaster? Play. It was. Yeah, it was the PS4 remaster. Oh, nice. Um, how long did it take them? Do you know? Uh, I think they did about twenty-four episodes. At about which is half an hour. hour. Each. Oh, okay. So twelve hours. Yeah, I mean they they knew what they were they like like he'd um, a lot of the games they're playing recently uh, not a lot of them not every game but because he's been re-completing the first one hundred and twenty games uh, a lot of times they'll just if they're they're the type of games that they think the audience will like watching they'll just play it as a Beard Bros game so I mean a lot of the, he he has played it before obviously um, but it, it was just fun to watch I really enjoyed seeing that game through all the way because I, I've always been like, I don't want to play the old games and the tank controls, all that. But I had access to 1 and 0, and 0 is technically the first Resident Evil I played because I rented it um, because I had a GameCube. and wanted That is to really interesting. What an interesting like first step into the series. How far did you uh, get back then? All Barely the way? Or? anything. I think okay. I got like, freaked out by it. <laughs> I, I mean, remember that game. I remember that game being like uh, you're handcuffed to this guy. Like that's like the part I remember. Or he's got handcuffs or something. He has and, a handcuff because he is an escaped uh, military prisoner. Okay, and then of course, like his story comes to light over the course of of the of the tale, right? Yeah. So I mean, you're making I, me want to play Resident Evil. I don't know why, but like, even though you haven't talked much about it, all of a sudden I want to play uh, Revelations two. <laughs> that would be a bad one. Um. But yeah, no, I mean, I would have been, 
11 when that came out, so maybe just a little too young, because just a couple years later I would play Resident Evil 4, and that's a way scarier game, even still. Resident Evil 4 is, like, one of the few games or movies or anything that I actually, like, had to manage when I'd play it because I was so scared. Because, I mean, there were, you really felt like you were in that game, and not only that, but, like, when that chainsaw guy would come, like, actually my heart rate would go up. Like, like actually. It was crazy. That game is really frightening. Yeah, I mean, it's aged really well. I, I played Resident Evil 4 again last year, and, I mean, now a lot of the gamey aspects of it are way more apparent now, and... It's easier to pick it apart, and it has aged. What do somewhat. you mean? What do you mean the gamier aspects pick it apart more carefully? Easily, I mean, it's just easier to see like the trappings and how it works, and and just, uh, I, I don't know. It's hard. To, it's hard to, to put into words, but I mean, you know, it's it's because it's aged. It's easier to to de-associate like being there with it. Like it's oh, not okay. as immediate and intense when you have something like Resident Evil Seven now. <laughs> Right, right, right. And not only that, I get what you mean, though. Like, the opening of the doors and the like the, the very gamey stuff, you mean. Yeah, like, the kicking. You can understand now that, okay, there's, like, the protective field almost around Leon so that things don't sneak up on him as easily. Uh, there's the way they run forward. It's a lot easier to just see the mechanics of how the enemy encounters work. How does the protective field work? I, didn't, I don't know about this. It's like... I forget the, the specifics, but it's basically, you know, to keep it fun, you know, he could hear, it, it makes it very obvious when things are behind you, uh, there's like, it's the way they'll run up and then they'll do that, they'll stop and do the slow walk when they're just within a few feet of you. Oh, got it, it's like a for, it's like a slow, time-slowing force field, because otherwise you would be swarmed at all times. The way they balance the combat is very, you're seeing the the, the seams of, of, of or, the, or the, the invisible hand uh, controlling it. Yeah. So it's just, I mean, and you know, that's with the regular villagers. Obviously, the, the chainsaw guy will just come up on you, but right, right. But it makes it so that you can have the big, like, village fights without it being just you get completely swarmed. Right, right. So those artifices just show through more as a more seasoned gamer and as just time has gone by. Interesting, interesting, interesting insight. Go ahead. Uh, but anyway, Resident Evil Zero. You know, it's one of the more maligned games in the series. Um, I think it is the least liked of the original, uh, the first five re classic Resident Evil-style games. Um, That's unfortunate. Well, you know, Resident Evil 1 is Resident Evil 1. Uh, 2 and 3 both are beloved, and Code Veronica as well. Resident Evil Zero just kind of felt, for a lot of people at the time, it felt old. And, uh, and you know, I mean, this was before Resident Evil 4 even came out. But it was it was sort of like a sense of the series showing its age. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that was kind of the the impetus for them to then make for. Thank yeah. goodness. And I mean, when you when when I play it, even when even just playing it with, from years later, where they all feel aged, it is a surprisingly small game. There's only really a handful of enemy types. Uh, like there's there's some of the classics. There's zombies. There's the dogs and uh, hunters. But I mean, there's maybe seven enemy types you see regularly throughout the game. Yeah. And it's such a small amount of creatures. Uh, it, it feels a little more like going through the motions because... It, I mean, I get why it was disliked at the time because it does a lot of things that all the other Resident Evils had done. So when you're getting around to the fifth one, outside of the partner mechanic and being able to switch back and forth between them... Uh, and the story's not, like, thrilling. I don't know that any of the early Resident Evil games have thrilling stories, really, but it's pretty basic. 
but, you know, just from the perspective of solving the puzzles, getting through, I kind of like that it's a little easier just because, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm playing it with a guide because oh know, yeah, that is the sort of game where if you get effed up and you haven't saved recently, you lose all your progress. And I just, I wanted to be in the world and enjoy the aesthetic, but I didn't want to be like stressed in the way, because especially with how obtuse some of the puzzles can be. Well, also, also just you want the items, you know, you want the power ups, you want the herbs like a lot of those games. And I noticed this in a lot of things. It's it's really tough to to balance. And I learned this in God of War, especially it's, it's kind of a master class in game design, but it's really hard to balance item hiding with making sure you have enough stuff to survive the game. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, because you want to make it fun and rewarding to discover stuff and if you just put stuff everywhere like all of a sudden uh uh-oh i can pick up a bunch of power-ups or a bunch of like health potions right before this big boss room you know that's that's really easy to do um and and it it just it it telegraphs that a boss is coming It, it takes away that you know the sense of dread or surprise um but also there's no puzzle in that there's no feeling of satisfaction and discovery um in a game like god of war as you go through the game, um, there's all kinds of stuff that you can miss. But if you miss it, it's okay because um, there's there's a lot of – it's so rife with puzzles and things to find. And, and there's so many runic attacks to discover that if you miss a couple, it bothers me as somebody who probably wants to 100% this game. But that said, they, they really get that balance right between making sure that the items are – you know, put in really good, fun hiding places, but not too hard to find. And that, like, for, I'll give you a great example. Um, the the way you level up your health and your um, rage, your Spartan rage meter, um, two pretty typical things in these kind of games, is um, is that you have to open these Nornir chests, and these Nornir chests have three runes on them, and each of those runes corresponds with something hidden in the environment near that area. So there's two different ways it can go. Way one is you have to actually there's three ways. The way one is you can find these little runes and smash them, and you have to you know smash all three of them, and then all of a sudden it opens, and they're hidden, so it's like a pixel hunt, um, a brief one and a pretty fun one. It's not too hard, but it is a pixel hunt. Number two, they're these little bells, and you have this axe you can throw, right? So the bells are positioned in different places, a little just just far enough away where you have to really strategize how you're going to hit all three of them before one of them stops ringing. You know that concept? Yeah. Um. And then the third way is there'll be these little like spinning things and you throw your axe at them and they turn and they have to turn to the correct rune. Like there'll be five options and you have to turn to the right one. And you have to do that three places around the uh, world and access where those are. So those are how you open up your, your big health upgrades and your rage upgrades. But the magical part is you need 18 of those total to get your rage because you need nine of these um, – um, rage mead things, you horn mead of horn or horn meats, and then um, nine apples, Iowan apples, um, to do your health. And um, but the game has like twenty five Nornir chests. So once you and I got every one on my path. So after the eighteenth chest, you're done leveling that stuff up. So in that way, it gives you opportunities to get as powerful as you need to get, but it also makes you feel really badass um, when you're really searching out everything because you get more powerful more quickly. And there's a lot of stuff like that. Like the more exploring you do, the more powerful, the more quickly you can get. And yeah, that causes a little bit of a problem because you know you you become overpowered too quickly. But but what you mentioned just really speaks to game design and level design. You know where you put your items and how that works. And so. 
a guide can can help with that. I almost want to pull out a guide, even for God of War, as good as it is, because I want all the shit. Um, is is um, Resident Evil Zero like that, where there's like stuff you can miss and you really want it? There's definitely stuff you can miss. Um, the biggest one is probably the there's there's a like one set of of custom handgun parts that you can upgrade one of the pistols with. Ooh, um, I want them. But. Like, outside of that, most things that are... Like, I, I think it's honestly a pretty easy game in terms of... Now, I'm playing it on normal, so I could be playing right. it on hard. And it, honestly, I kind of... I almost wish I had played it on hard, but my initial impulse was just, I just want to be in the aesthetic. I don't I don't want it to yeah. be a struggle. Because then I'll stop. Yeah. I'll just stop playing it. And I'd like to finish it. Yeah. But the, all the things like the grenade launcher, um, the shotgun uh the shotgun has a little bit of a puzzle no it's not even a puzzle you just kind of find it so yeah it's not a puzzle it's, it's not like in resident evil one where you have to like get the broken shotgun and then put it in the place where the shotgun <laughs> is to keep the door open uh in this it's just oh when you get to the training facility you you will eventually find the shotgun now i mean they're 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 sometimes they're out of the way i don't actually think the shotgun you could possibly miss but i mean if you're going into a room you're probably searching it pretty thoroughly and you have to go through all the areas pretty much to find everything right but yeah the grenade so. launcher you find easily they start with the pistols and the shotgun uh the magnum even is pretty obvious where it is uh, how is how is the combat like is it playable like and is this remaster of any kind like did they fix anything i think they did right it is a remaster. I don't know the exact extent of it, um, because you know, with the Resident Evil remaster for the PS4, they 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 put the like Resident Evil Five models of Jill and Chris into the game. Um, but you know, those characters, Billy, obviously never appears in any other Resident Evil game. Um, but I mean, they were upresed. Everything looks good, and you know that the backgrounds are still high. You know illustrations essentially in a lot of places does there uh is the combat at all i know it's not resident evil 4 it's just not you know or 5 or or, or 6 or, or 7 but you know when, when the combat got really good but is it fun at all to shoot stuff or is it really just like i hope this dies before my ammo runs out well honestly again just because of the difficulty i'm setting on uh, there's basically enough ammo to take care of what you need to take. Like, early on, it was a lot of dodging stuff. Yeah, which um, I kind of don't love, yeah. But I'm at the point where I have, uh, like, 280 pistol rounds. Oh, um, okay, and you only end up needing, like, 5 to 10 per battle or so. Well, not even that. It's like, once you get the shotgun, it holds 7 rounds, and I mean, I think right now I have 20 shotgun rounds... Okay, uh, but I mean, a shotgun, except for like the late game zombies, which are a little more resilient. Like if you aim up, you just blow the zombie's head off, and you kill most other things in three to four hits. Um, huh. Okay. So I, I've been, I, I've I've been mostly frugal, but even still, I'm killing a lot of things in in the path. Uh, so yeah, I think just because of the difficulty and, and yeah, because I've been following a guide a little bit uh, with the puzzles, I will try to solve those myself. Um, in terms of, like, the box-pushing puzzles and... Yeah, and yeah. The, the turning power-on puzzles. But, you know, I've just been kind of cruising through. Um, 
like I'm in the end game. I know that. I think at this point I basically have a little bit more because I'm in the last area, and there's like I think three boss fights ahead of me. Okay. Um, like the most annoying thing I have to do is I really I just have to to bite the bullet and backtrack a good bit because the biggest annoyance with this one is they kind of they tried to I guess make it more realistic. Okay. Uh, so instead of an item box that you put your stuff in, that you know, if you if you play like Resident Evil One, there's the item box, and you put your stuff in it, and then any item box in the game you can get your stuff back. Uh, in this one, there is no item box. You just leave stuff on the floor. <laughs> and and then what? Uh, well, the map the maps do keep track of where the items are, um, as long as you've touched it. But, you know, you basically are just littering everywhere you go. So I, would, I was moving forward, and I would, like, have parts where I would go, all right, I probably need this stuff. So I would pick it all up, I would go there, I would drop it, and then I would come back for some other stuff. Um, but the problem is the way, like, the, the last few areas worked is all of my stuff is kind of left in a place that is the least accessible. Oh, man. Because there's yeah. a part where there's, like, you find an elevator, and the elevator takes you to four different locations. Uh, but where I left all my stuff was, like, I have to go back through and into the, the training facility. And I was doing that with Rebecca, but then there was a hunter, and it, like, messed me up. So I was just like, I'm not doing this now. And I, I basically just reset and and went through a little bit again. And now that I have Billy back, because there's a part where they're separated for a while. I see. Um, like, like pretty much always, right? Yeah. But, I, I mean, most of the stuff with the last bosses is, like, use the grenade launcher and the magnum. So I'm like... I probably need to go get the grenade launcher. Because it takes up tons of inventory space and you can't carry it all the time. No, yeah, because it takes... Yeah, I mean, each of them have six slots. The shotgun and the grenade launcher each take up two slots. So... Wait, wait, what? They each have, like... Oh, oh, they have... That's how many total storage spots they have. Okay. Yeah, they each have six. Um, now... That is really limited. Between two people, that is a good bit. Um, you know, for carrying puzzle items weapons, ammo, and a healing item or two. And I mean, I'm, I'm loaded up on healing items. I think I have... I've used one of the first aid sprays I've found in the whole game. I think I have four combined red-green herbs and four more first aid sprays. And they're, they're just chilling on the ground in a nice little pile? Basically. That's funny. That is really funny. Uh, do they stack at least? Like, can you have four first aid sprays in one slot? No, they do not stack. Uh, God damn it! The only things that stack are Molotovs, ammo, and uh, ink ribbons, which I have Jeez. like 25 of those. So yeah, Well, I mean, that's good, right? Because you were worried about the saving problem. Yeah, no, I mean, I have not had a problem with saving. I played, I've been playing it in like hour-long chunks whenever I do play it, uh, making a good bit of progress. I've been saving more liberally at the end because I'm kind of like, well, I'm at the end. <laughs> right, right. Uh, it doesn't really matter if I save like every time I see a typewriter. What are you playing this one on? Uh, the, uh, oh, oh, Xbox One. Okay, got it, got it. That really is your go-to, huh? Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I'm enjoying it, honestly. I'm surprised by how much I like it. Uh, just the mood and the aesthetic and, and... Is the story okay? I mean, it is what it is. It's very, it's very early Resident Evil with the bad acting and the, uh, like, over, over over-the-top line reads and whatnot. Is Wesker up in it? Wesker is up in it. In fact, if you, uh, when you beat the game, you unlock Wesker mode, where Wesker replaces Billy, and he has his like 
bio he has his bio weapon powers that he can use in the game wow that was that in the game initially no no because i mean this is straight up resident evil 5 um it actually it alters rebecca's costume so that she has like the same uh the thing jill had on her chest in resident evil 5 ah that's, so that can, comes with the remaster, then. That comes with the remaster. He can do a dash move, and he can, like, charge... He has a charge shot, which is just his, his bioorganism powers that he can look at something and kill it. Weird. Yeah, I mean, it's a bonus mode, so... You'll be you'll be hitting it up at least briefly, I'm sure. I mean, I, I would like to try it out. That's, that's neat. That's um, neat. So, ha- go ahead. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. I was, I was just gonna say, so how are you feeling about, like, say... Resident Evil 6 and 7 at this point, um, looking back at the series and how much you like the aesthetics and all that. I mean, 6 is terrible. Still, okay. Uh, Resident Evil 7, I would like... To, I mean, all the DLC's out now. There's a lot more content if I want to go back to it. I kind of want to play, like, the whole thing again. Um, I could see doing that. But honestly, I, what I really want is that Resident Evil 2 remake to, to make some progress. Uh, because after beating this, I'm going to kind of be sad. I would like to have another classic Resident Evil to play. I'm kind of surprised there's not, you know, with all of the Kickstarted remakes, like, uh, or, or, or new versions, like Mighty Number no. 9 and Red Ash and um, uh, Bloodstained, I'm surprised there's not a, like, a game trying to throw back to the original style of Resident Evil. Because people still love that game. Uh, you know, do illustrated backgrounds and obtuse puzzles and, like, fixed camera angles. I'm surprised there's not more for that, but I'm enjoying that, Resident Evil Zero as it is. Cool. So you, so you don't. Um, I'm just trying to think about the fixed camera angle comment that you just made. So like that's like a, you don't want like when you, you don't want to play um, Revelations Two, for example. Like that wouldn't be because it's pretty similar. No, it I mean, is. I I just we we it is more co-op. We we played the first episode of it. Um. We just haven't gotten back to it, but I wouldn't be against playing it. I mean, that would be... I mean, it would give you that aesthetic that you want. I mean, this just hearing you talk about Resident Evil makes me want to play that one, because that's the next one I'm on. I played... I can't believe I got through the whole fucking thing, but I played Revelations 1 on 3DS. It's, you know, it's home system. And like I said, I, I, I can hardly believe I got through it on that system, because it's such a... You know, I mean, they made Three Xbox One, Xbox 360 versions Two of it that were, like, fully featured, road. you know? Um, I mean, it's a real game. Did yeah. you play the first one? Uh, Revelations? Yeah. Um, I played the demo. I've yet to play it, even though I've heard such, you know, praise for it. Yeah, it's fun. It really is fun. Um, cool. Well, speaking of fun, Jordan, <laughs> let me tell you about a little game by a, a little developer named Cory Barlog, who went on a vision quest for about 12 years. Um, he hung out with, uh, what's the guy named Miller from uh, Mad Max? Oh, Tim Miller. No, that's the Deadpool guy. Oh, uh, George Miller? Yeah, there you go. There's also an Arthur Miller, but you got it. It's George Miller. Um, so the dead, uh, the not the Deadpool guy, the uh, George Miller, the Mad Max guy, like and and Barlog were working on a Mad Max game at one point. Um, I think Barlog maybe touched Avatar. There was a bunch of crazy shit he did on this crazy Vision Quest. So basically, the concept was he did God of War two. He was the creative director on the first one. He was animation creative animation lead then he was the director of two he was starting out as a project lead on three but then he had to leave he was like fuck this i gotta go i can't take anymore which is you know i guess understandable when you did crunch for two games for eight eight years you know um so he goes off stig asmussen (laughs) takes over 
um, and uh, did three. And three was beloved as well. I mean, I don't know what Ascension's story was exactly, as development-wise. But um, Barlog was just off the grid, and he did just whatever. So like I said, he was working on a Mad Max game that never came to fruition with George Miller. Um, and then that game kind of got spun over and twisted and turned into the Mad Max that eventually came out from the Just Cause developers, um, which Kelsey loves, I believe. Mm-hmm. You never played that, though. I have not. Yeah. But anyway, so that happened. Um, and then um, Barlog was – most people don't know this or at least don't reference it, but he was the director of the cutscenes and animation for uh, Tomb Raider. Um, I believe this – at least the second one, maybe part of the first one as well, but I think the second one, if I'm not mistaken. But he, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Like he was like the animation and story director for for those new the new Tomb Raider reboots. So he knows how to do story really well. Um, you know, Kratos was basically victorious over the over the old gods of of Greek, um, of Greece in uh, in the end of God of War three, which is the last you know you know title chronologically that happened. Um, and uh, basically after that, we know nothing about where he ends up. Well, now we do. Um, he becomes an older man. He leaves Greece to go hide somewhere. But ah, where did he go hide? He hid in Midgard, which happens to be where, um, rather than the Greek gods, we have the Norse gods. And it's this whole panoply of gods and intrigue and, oh man, I mean, Jordan, you will love this game. It is so good. Um, the It's got Zeus, it's got, not Zeus, excuse me, it's got Odin, it's got, Zeus does make an appearance, but it's got Odin, it's got Thor, it's got Mimir, this little severed head that hangs out with you. Um, it's got Freya. It's got Balder. I mean, it is just this 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 amazing cast of these characters. Now, one thing that's a little weird about it is like when you're in Midgard. So, so tell me what you know about Midgard from Thor and stuff. So, like, are there people there, or is it, or or what's the deal with that? Like, generally in Norse mythology, do you know? Not a lot about. I mean, I know Marvel Norse mythology. I well, don't let's know. hear it. I mean, what's the deal? I mean, Midgard's Earth. So, I mean, the superheroes are there. It's 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 just Earth, and I guess. In the comics, it's more just the... I don't know, they always seem to boil it down to Earth, because yeah. Asgard is space, but then the realms... It's really confusing in the movies, too, because they call them the realms, but then they can also get there through regular space travel. Yeah. It's it, it's, it's always been a little weird in Marvel, So, I, but I don't know much about traditional Norse mythology. I'm guessing it's different. <laughs> well, yeah, there's, so there's these nine realms, right? And that's the idea, is like, you know, Niflheim and Musselheim and... Muspelheim, or Muspelheim, I mean, um, and uh, Jotunheim and uh, um, um, Asgard and all these different places, um, many of which you get to go to these different realms in the game. Um, but you're in this middle area, and it's kind of like a hub world. Um, it's very gamey in that sense, called Midgard. Um, and, uh, you know, K uh, Kratos and his son um, at the beginning of the game are... Um, burning on a pyre, um, um, Atreus's his son's um, dead mother, and um, and then when the, you know her dying wish was that they take a certain tree uh, from a certain place, use it for her funeral pyre, burn her to ash, and then take that ash to the highest point in all of Midgard. Um, so that's the quest that they go on when she passes away. We don't know why she passed away as of where I am in the game, which is pretty close to the end. Um, but, um, you go off on this quest and, you know, beginning off, um, uh, Kratos is very gruff and, um, stern with his son. And I really worried that this was going to be like very last of us, right? 
um, very Joel and Ellie, very like, you know, like the toughest love you ever heard, you know, like so tough love that it doesn't sound like love at all. It's just like, I hate you. I'm with you and I'll protect you, but I, I hate it and I, I begrudge you for it and all that kind of shit. And I really thought that was what we were going to get. It actually turns out to be much more of a, a, a sort of a father and son bonding story than you'd expect. Um, and then, you know, these two sort of have to figure out um, the relationship that they have and what's going on. And, and of course, you know, Kratos eventually becomes on this mission that he goes on because he's around these Norse gods and he's a threat. Um, he becomes enmeshed in, in kind of all of the the bloody battles and politics and, and, and intrigue that's going on with all of, you know, uh, Odin's sons and, and Thor and, and Thor's bloody missions and all this crazy stuff. So basically, um, Kratos believes that all gods are evil after uh, God of War three. And, um, you know, he, he knows that he's a God. He knows his son is at least half a God and he, you know, he's kind of got self-loathing going on. Um, he hates all of them. And, um, you know, it's, it's just all about this journey that they go on. Well, that's what it is from a story perspective. And the story's fantastic and beautifully voiced and incredibly well handled and really deep. The lore and mythology that they created for this story is so complex and, and grand and just glorious um, and, and really fun to get into. So for me with these games, a lot of times, Jordan, you'll play these games and you'll be like, man, I, lo- I loved it from the beginning. Um, certain games, you know. Mm-hmm. And for me, it takes me three to four hours till I get to that point where I'm like, wow, I'm really liking this. This one took a little longer. So I liked it a lot from the the very beginning but i was really struggling with the combat um they underpower you pretty hard at the beginning um so you're fighting things and you're kind of learning the ropes and i think they do that strategically so you learn how to block and parry and do all that stuff that you need to do to survive but as the game goes on if you do all the side quests like i do and try to collect everything you can you get powerful enough that it becomes much much easier as you go on and there is a thing called hard mode and then give me god of war mode which is like almost impossible mode but people play it i don't know why um, but that does exist, but that's, that's what people do. Um, but basically the, one of the big things about this game, and you heard this, I'm sure is that it has this continuous, um, camera. So everywhere you go in this game, from the very minute you wake up in this cabin with, with Atreus all the way till the end game credits roll, there is one continuous camera that follows behind the shoulder of Kratos the entire time. And I don't really get why that's such a big deal. Maybe it's having a subconscious effect on me. A lot of reviewers have said that, that like you don't really feel it, but like it is having a big impact on you that you're with them so intimately that you never go away. And actually, I saw some developer videos and originally <laughs> this incredibly complex leveling system and perk system they were trying to integrate it into this flowing camera so kratos would actually pull his axe down in front of you and do all his leveling up like on his axe and then they were like no fucking way like way too complicated so they they cut that out eventually um but it it is really interesting the way that they do that i will tell you this the over the shoulder camera works incredibly well you know you might have thought this is a game that really relies on its you know um overhead view it, it, it has that sort of um, three-quarter view from overhead and very and they, it was famous for its cinematic camera and i guess now that i'm talking about it out loud i guess that's probably why they wanted to go for this because you know god of war's claim to fame was always its camera and it's it's you know camera angles that were determined for cinematic impact as opposed to like typical gameplay um so maybe they were like we got to do something cool with the camera because we're god of war that actually makes more sense now that i think about it um but it really works the over the shoulder camera whether it's a fluid shot front to back or not because just killing stuff is so fun in this game once you get good at it and basically what it comes down to is you have 
this main weapon. Um, it's called the you know the Leviathan axe, and you get you can slash dudes with it with a with the right trigger. And by the way, at the beginning, it really bothered me that it wasn't the buttons because when you play these kind of games, you really want it to be like square and, and X that that does the attacking. Um, but really. Um, you need to use the trigger buttons to do the actual attacks and the swings and the and that kind of stuff. And and at first I was like, can I change this? And you can. But then I was like, you know what? I'm gonna just let play this game on its own terms and played it that way. And it is really fun to play with the triggers. So it's a lot like Dark Souls in that way. So you attack stuff with the with the R1 is your light attack and R2 is your heavy attack. And you just smash stuff um, that way. But then one thing that's really unique. Have you seen the um, axe throw? Uh, I know it's like Mjolnir. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it, but yeah, exactly. So you throw the axe, and then what's really cool is it's gamified. You know how in Gears of War you have the, uh, you, you know, you shoot the gun, and like you have a, an active reload where you have to hit it just at the right moment for it to give you more powerful bullets. Yeah. So it's like that when you throw the uh, axe right before it hits somebody or right when it hits them, you have to hit triangle to call it back to you. And if you do it at just the right moment, it powers up the axe and makes it more powerful. So there's this tremendous momentum that's building up that feels awesome so when you throw the action like funk and you bring it back throw it and bring it back it just is punchy and amazing so i played through you know the first half of the game with this axe and was just loving it and enjoying it um and then amazingly and i was really sure that was the only weapon in the game and then amazingly halfway through you get an entire second weapon that's just as complex and diverse as that did you not did you know that there was more than the leviathan axe in this game I honestly, I mean, I had no frame of reference. I thought that, I mean, had you asked me, I'd assume that was one of several weapons, but I oh. had no, no, I mean, not, not because like I, 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 I'd seen anything. I didn't even know it was like the only weapon you had for so long. I just, yeah, yeah, assume, yeah they, excuse me, based on past God of Wars. Yeah, I guess, I guess I just thought because of the way they were like, there's no Blades of Chaos, this is a totally different Kratos, he's got his axe, that I was like, that is going to be, this is going to be like the woodcutter's tale, you know, and that was what it was going to be, and, you know, halfway through the game, you get a completely different weapon, and I won't spoil what it is, but it's very cool, and it, and it just totally opens up your, your attack options. Um, that said, you also get all kinds of ways to level, so you have a chest piece, you have um, arm piece, and you have what is it no chest arms whatever you get three pieces of armor and then you also get a pommel for the bottom of your weapon and you get a talisman and all of this stuff can be leveled up and have enhancements and enchantments put on it that gives you different perks and then your weapon can have two runic slots and each one of those is a special attack so basically those recharge they have cooldowns and then you can use them so basically you're using your your light attacks and your heavy attacks um, you can throw your um, axe, and then you also have these two special attacks that you trigger by holding down a button and hitting them. Then there's also another component called unarmed, where you 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 uh, stow your axe, or you've thrown it and it's sitting somewhere, and you can use like punches, and that stuns. And then there's the whole other component of combat, and that is Atreus. And you know when we heard about this game initially, the idea was Atreus. You know, it sounds like an escort mission. He's going to be in the way. It's going to be annoying. This really is the first game to get, like, having a companion character for a single-player game right. Everywhere you go, like, he's just hanging out out of danger. And once in a while, he'll get grabbed, but he doesn't die. And what he can do, though, is shoot his arrows, and you and it's basically another attack button on your, on your controller. So you have a, a square button, which is like a stun. You might as well just call it a stun. Wherever you're pointing and attacking, he shoots an arrow at that thing. So he's stunning the enemy, and you're hitting him. And you can do this completely concurrently without any issues. So it just makes this really beautiful combat. 
And I'm telling you, at first I was not loving it, but f- four hours, five hours in, all of a sudden I was just having th- this amazing experience with the game, um, and and just just really enjoying it. And then going around and finding all the secrets, and you know you have to there's there's like five or six different power up items. It really is Metroidvania ish, way more than God of War one or two or three ever was. So you go around and you like. Like once eventually you'll have a way to break down the bramble, like the hell bramble. And eventually you'll have a way to like get light and like freeze light and use it to like open up like these little um, eyeballs and you like hit them with the light. And then you have to like you only can keep it on yourself for 10 seconds. So you got to find the next one of these little eyeballs to light up. And and it's just these really cool like puzzles like that. And a lot of areas are gated off and, and, and cool items are gated off by all these different um puzzle things that you can't do till later but one thing that i found myself startlingly realizing when i played this is how much it's like darksiders did you play darksiders i played the first darksiders uh, about halfway through and i i i basically touched darksiders 2 when it was the free game but i didn't yeah. do basically really anything in it yeah it's pretty intimidating darksiders 2 i've i've false started that game about six times i think um, wanting to play it and never never quite getting into it. But after I play this, if I'm really in withdrawal, I may jump into it. But basically, um, Darksiders 1, you remember it pretty well, what it feels like? Yeah, I mean, it's like a old school, older 3D Zelda. It's like 3D Zelda, except you're this big, chunky character, and you have these big attacks that carry a lot of weight, and you like attack and stun and try to kill enemies with basically two-button combat with special moves. It is literally... I think the blueprint for God of War. Um, if, if there's any game this game is like, it's a far better version of Darksiders. I mean, it really feels like that. The places that you explore, the way that the overall overworld works, the kind of power-ups and items that you get, even more so if you look at Darksiders 2, because Darksiders 2 actually had a loot system where things had different rarities and you could collect those items. In that one, they were random, randomly generated. In this one, they're, they're, they're established. You know, the game is very, you know, specifically designed this game just has tremendous care put into it you know the games took five years god of war to make and every piece of that game is perfection like when you play it every thunk of the axe feels perfect everything that you do there's only been a couple little janky parts where the where the uh, context sensitive buttons don't work like they should but other than that it's just been a seamless experience there's so many enemy types there's so many little like side things to do it's just it's just a it's just a fantastic game. Um, I, I I think you would love it. Does it does this uh, intrigue you at all? No, I I just from the reviews, um, from the accolades, from the sense that it does tell a a much more personal story. The, everything about it intrigues me. It's just just generally God of War is not something I get super into. What do you um, think it is about it? Do you think it's Kratos as a character? Do you think it's you don't because because I, I know you love Bayonetta. You know, I mean, I think there's a little bit of that. I know they've they've definitely just from reading the interviews tried to make this a more mature, um, personally mature, not like mature content. Yeah, yeah. Type of game with where with, he's not just angry the whole time. Yeah, more complexities to the character and the storytelling, and and I like that, and I do want to give it a try. It's just, um, I, I, like I said, I would like to um, probably red box it. Yeah, I, it's just not a game I could see spending sixty on, just because I don't have that connection to the franchise. Oh man! But when you started playing it, it would grab you. You know when you, you remember like a couple years ago when you got um, Far Cry Three from Redbox, and then like you took it back and bought it. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. 
I think that would be this kind of game for you. I think you will get it from Redbox, and you'll be like, holy shit, A, this game's amazing, I have to play it, and B, it's going to take more than two days. Um, and I really think that's the experience you would have. I mean, fundamentally, it's just it's just so fun. And and actually, amazingly, I was not expecting the story to have like interesting story beats where I was surprised, but there are actually moments in this story where I'm genuinely surprised. Now, they're not twists. You know, I'm not going to I'm not going to stand here and say, "Oh my god, it was a shocking twist." But there are really good story beats that when you find stuff out, like the the drama heightens and 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 just really interesting. You know who else is in it who plays Balder? That dude um who you know the guy in Lost who plays like the scientist, that crazy sci- mathematics scientist guy? Oh, um, yeah, I know who. Uh, oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. <laughs> that guy. Um, he is in this, and he is basically your antagonist. He's Balder, and he is phenomenal in the role. I mean, he is, and it sounds like him. It's very him. You know, that dude sounds like that dude. Um, and man, Jeremy is it. There you go. Thank you. When I heard that, I thought he was talking about a different Davies. There's a lot of Davies in in, in UK. Um, But no, that's that's who it is. But man, is he good in it. He's he's just such a great character. And then like mainly when you're when you're walking around after a point pretty early on in the story, it's you, Atreus and this severed head named Amir, who's the smartest man in the world. And the three of you just like hang out and learn all about Norse mythology as you travel around Midgard doing side quests killing monsters solving puzzles and having an amazing fucking time i mean it is just it's i'm gonna stop raving about it now but (laughs) that that game is i mean it's it's as good as everybody says it is and everybody i talk to that plays it's like yep it's 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 as good as people say it is it's it's really remarkable when a game comes out like this i just find myself in awe because i know how hard it is to make a game Making video games is is I I think it's pretty much un, un unequivocal in in terms of there's nothing that that matches the the level of complexity. I mean, making like a big Marvel motion picture might be there in in its own way, um, but there's certain aspects of making games that are just so tough and so time consuming and and and. Just to think about working on this game and, and being quiet about it for five years while you were making something so excellent, um, it just it just blows me away. It makes me really happy. But anyway, I'm about. Two thirds of the way, if not further, I'm, I'm like praying. I'm only half, but I know it's two thirds. You know, when when you like a game that much, yeah. Um, and so that's that's where I'm at now. But when I finish it, I'll give sort of my final thoughts on on how it all comes together story wise. And I hope by then maybe you'll have red boxed it and given it a shot. I um, I was like I said, I honestly I wanted to last night, but it was just out. Yeah. Um, I have yeah. two days off coming up, so I would potentially get it then. Um, but I'm gonna we'll be see. like. When it, when are your days off? I may like like hunt out the red boxes and like pre-reserve it for you. <laughs> I'm serious, man. I need you to play this game. It's that good. Well, I would hey. like to. So I'm. I'm we'll talk I'm later. Considering it. Cool. All right, man. Well, hey. Um, any other little things you've been playing or, or doing that you want to uh, share? I know there's got to be some other little game you played. No, I mean it's a lot of Overwatch. I've, I've with the event going for three weeks. That was my main thing that I was playing. Um, the only other game that uh i i i mean i don't know i'm trying to think like i've been considering uh replaying tales from the borderlands just because i want a narrative Ooh. game um Ooh. and i downloaded the turing test again because i've never started it but it was free so i might you, play that do you like um uh like like portal like games i know you love portal 2 like you know portal all holy is so unique i like the idea of the turing test being solving puzzle rooms but i don't like the idea of 
lasers <laughs> instead of portals. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just an inherently hard thing to get over, but I'm, I'm curious if I can actually start it if it'll pull me in. Yeah, it might. It might. There's a really good, you know, you might check out. There's a really good uh, Kotaku video, like, let's play of uh, Kirk Hamilton, like, diving into it to start out with, where he was sort of going through it. And he had a live stream going where people were like, hey, push that button or try pushing that in and then that in and then jumping, you know, that kind of thing. But it's pretty cool. So if you want to, like, you know, put it on in the background and get pumped for Turing test, I would I would recommend that one. Um but um, but there's a man. There's a lot of stuff to play, especially with all the you know if you if you subscribe to Xbox Games with Gold or or the PlayStation Plus, um, you just get a lot of free games that way. Yeah, I mean nowadays um, it's 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 a lot. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, cool, man. Um, so you already said a couple things. Uh, what is the next big thing that you're get, you're looking forward to? What are you gonna be playing? Last thing we always say. I mean, I might finally pick up something for Switch. I'll say that because I'm I'm visiting. Raleigh and North Carolina in general pretty soon. And awesome. So the only thing I'm going to be able to bring with me is my Switch, gaming-wise. Yeah. Uh, so I'll probably... I might pick up, pick up Splatoon 2, or I might finally uh, get that Skyrim port. Uh, more likely, I might download Enter the Gungeon for the Switch. Ooh. Um, what is that exactly? It's a, it's a roguelike. It's kind of like, you know, a Binding for Isaac-type game. Oh, okay. Is it is it supposedly really hard? It's supposed to be really fun. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it has really hard parts, but I, it's supposed to be a really fun game. I saw a video on it, and it, it just looks fun. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that, that sounds good. Um, the Switch hasn't been getting a lot of play lately, huh? No, just because I haven't bought anything, and I, you know, I played most i i beat most of the games i had for it so yeah yeah you know uh, you finished celeste you never finished um 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 um, um. well you can, i don't think you can finish that one you were playing the um oh, the dungeon yeah you can finish it but i i just it's it i i just haven't yeah yeah i can i can totally imagine that cool cool well i will be uh i will be finishing up god of war um, after that, there's a lot of different stuff coming out. Um, I, I, I picked up uh, Ghost Recon again. I had bought it like on Black Friday and then sold it to trade for something at some point. And then I just got it again because I really want to play Wildlands some more. You played that, right? Yes, I'd actually like to get back to that as well at some point because it's just sort of a fun to-play game with, with people. Yeah, well, I have it on Xbox One, so if you guys are playing, let me know. No, definitely. Um, but um cool all right well hey on that note uh where can they find you jordan uh you can find me personally you can find at uh indigo master on twitter e-n-d-i-g-o-m-a-s-t-e-r you can also find me at jordanalseka.tumblr.com facebook.com slash jordanalseka writer and uh weldrickencomic.com and hey uh i'm gonna be tabling at heroes con in charlotte north carolina in june what are the uh, so- dates uh, off the top of my head, I forget. I think it's the 16th through the 19th. It's right, got it. Right around that weekend. Um, cool. I'll, hopefully, by the next time we, I mean, by the next time we'll record, I'll have the dates more solidly in my head. Yeah, 16th or 15th through 17th is what it looks like. Nice, nice, cool. Well, that'll be a great opportunity for people to come out and meet you and support your book. Um, Welderkin is just cruising along and doing really well. I understand. So Hopes, that's good. Yeah, it seems that way. Awesome, awesome. I, mean, I know it's sometimes hard to tell when you send stuff out into the ether, and it's just like, well, is, is, how's the response? But um, it looks fantastic, so I can only assume people are enjoying it. Cool. Um, well, you can find me at Rich Lapore. You can find all of our content at thejoyofgaming.com. Um, you can look at some written content um, at thejoyofgeek.net. 
and we're all over Facebook and Twitter. You can probably figure out what to search for in those locations. Um, and uh, on that note, this was fun, Jordan. Nice chatting about games as always, my friend. It's always good. Hey, have a good one. Uh, and everybody out there in podcast land, we appreciate you. Have a great day. Take care.